up for Pastor Shelby. Man, she she's gold. Stay standing for just a moment. She's gold. I um, she's not kidding about the. Stay standing, please, just for a second. Um, she's gold. She's not kidding about the chickens. I literally our lunch this week. I was like, you have chickens? Oh my gosh, you are my soul sister. Let's talk about chickens. We're getting ready to build a house, and I want chickens so bad. So um, that is true. That's kind of an odd thing, but it's true. Um, I want you to grab the hand of the girl next to you, please. If you weren't here today. We talked about the need to hold each other up, pray for one another, believe for one another, celebrate one another, have each other's back, so to speak. And if you weren't here, you're going to jump in right where we left off. And that girl on your left and that girl on your right is way more like you than what you think. And I know she doesn't look like you. She doesn't dress like you. She's way older or way younger. I would be the way older in the room. I don't know how I advanced to that. I used to be the cool spring chicken in the room. And now I'm like, oh, wow, I'm old enough to be your mom. Like, what happened? But let's pray for each other. God, I pray for my sister on my left and my sister on my right. Jesus, we don't know what she carries, but we know that you do. God, she can come in here with so many things bogging her down and overwhelming her. So, Jesus, we pray that you lift the burden. God, any distraction, any frustrations at home, God, I pray that she would set them at your feet and be able to listen and lean into your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you permeate this atmosphere. God, we trust that you're already here, so continue to do the good work you started within us. God, I pray for miracle signs and wonders tonight, God. Lord, if there are areas needing of healing, God, that you would rush in like a flood and you would heal every single girl today. Jesus, I thank you that There were some that were timid to even come, some that questioned, should I show up, waiting in their car, slipping into the back, having a hard time leaving their children at home, couldn't find anybody to watch them, nervous to bring them, had so many different women, but how beautiful they are, how beautiful you've designed us, not by accident perfectly designed, apple of your eye, knitted together in our mother's womb. Holy Spirit, breathe. Fresh, life, wholeness. God, as women, we don't get a lot of time to just be, to just breathe. Standing still can feel awkward even in your presence. Standing still, we don't know what to do without our minds wanting to check off a grocery list or check off a to-do list, God, but we stand and we wait. God, we know you're here. We trust that after this message is over, you will have done something so new and afresh in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And before you're seated, hug two ladies. Tell them, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yes, he will. You know he will. Won't he do it?
My favorite thing, one of them uh, doing ladies' events, is you tell them to talk to two girls and just say three words or four words, won't he do it? And you guys want to have a full conversation about what you had for lunch, where you went shopping, where'd you get your nails done? Girl, where'd you get them shoes? You just want to have that whole dialogue. And I love that. That's, we, we need each other and we need to do that. It's one of my favorite things. We're going to jump right into this. I want to allow some time at the end for God to move and speak. The truth is, we've had some of the greatest communicators. I mean, Pastor Shelby, hello, whoop, whoop. Like the, It's like angel drop from heaven just plopped right on the stage. So those of you that are part of the garden, you're so spoiled rotten to get to have her. Seriously. I was like, Lord, it's like Jesus with skin on and a female body. That's Shelby. And just so grateful. And then earlier today, there was a panel with um, pastor's wives who I got to have lunch with who are gold mines. I went back to the hotel and I was like, I hope I have half of Jesus that they have and um, half of the grace and just so sweet sharing and didn't feel any competition or um, stress or tension. It was so easy that we could just sit with women and talk. So honestly, they've said all the good stuff that you could possibly hear. I'm just going to jump on their shoulders, give you a little bit, and then allow us some time to just breathe in God's presence for a little bit. Um, I'm going to read to you out of the um, book Mark chapter 5. So book of Mark chapter 5. Hopefully it'll be on the screen. If not, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 21, it says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her, the, in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. As he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I want to talk to you about issues. This woman had issues. I know no one at the garden, no one from Spokane, no one from Yakima. We don't have issues, so we're just going to read about her issues. But if somehow the sister that should have been in the room that needed to hear this message or your friend that didn't show up needed to hear the message, you can take extra special notes for her because I know none of y'all have issues. But we're going to talk about some issues. And it's interesting when I travel, I've never been in a room with ladies where there weren't issues. I've never showed up in a room with crowds where there wasn't someone in the midst of the crowd suffering from something that no one may have known she's suffering with. 
I look in a room like this and I look in your eyes and though many of you are absolutely gorgeous, all of you are with all different styles and hair trends and all yourself put together and all your cute little shoes and you bought your cute jewelry at the table. By the way, how do y'all sell stuff for $5? I, can, I don't understand how there's any profit in that, but that's stinking amazing. So I need you to come to my city and sell me jewelry for $5 because that's where it's up. And when I was out there, I got like a two-minute pedicure, or not pedicure, manicure real quick where they just slap these little sticker things on. This is like, whoop, whoop. If you haven't done that, you need to do that. <laughs> but in crowds, there's always suffering people. And in verse 25, it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. I believe in there's this room that there's some of you struggling with constant something, constant fear, constant shame, constant guilt, constant anger, constant grief. We enter these rooms and there's constants in our life, things that we wish we didn't have that we've been battling for 12, 13, 14, 15 years at a time, and we can get blended into the crowd still battling these things. And this is what this woman did for 12 years. She has a constant issue. It says she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. How many of you know it's, it's not unlikely in 2018 that we suffer at the hands of people we thought we could trust? That she went to a doctor, the doctors were there to heal her, to help her, to give her everything she needed to be whole, and yet it says she got worse. What happens when the person you love and give everything to ends up making you worse off than when you first went to them? We have a lot of church hurt when I travel with men and women who are like, I don't go to church anymore, or this is the first time I've been to church in 20 years, and I hear these comments, and it blows my mind to think that the place of refuge, the place of safety, in some cases, has actually made people worse. What do you do when the places that you trust and the people that you trusted hurt you? And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better in fact better. In fact, she had gotten worse, and some of you have given everything. That man that you gave yourself to, who said, I will, I do, would never leave you, never walk out on you, and now you're sitting here alone with a few children by yourself. You went all in. You felt like you're the one. We got this together, hand in hand, side by side, and now just a couple years later, you're looking back going, wait a minute, I gave you everything, and now I'm heartbroken, and I'm worse off than I was before. What do you do when you go to someone, and you share your heart and your most deepest, darkest secrets, and then they blast you on social media, or they tell all your coworkers, so now when you walk in the office, you're the laughing stock, and you went to them for healing, and you ended up getting hurt. This is the world that you and I live in. This is the world that she lived in. She went to the person who was supposed to help heal her and was worse off. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. I'll be honest with you, the thought of Jesus walking in a room like this can be very intimidating. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, right. If Jesus walked in, I'd be like, hallelujah. I'd run circles around here. I'd be like, Jesus, we've been waiting and just so excited. But if you're totally honest, there are some of you that the thought of looking in Jesus' eyes is so intimidating that it'd be easier just to come up behind him. Jesus doesn't want us to give him a sneak approach. 
Jesus says to come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we can come to him confidently, looking at him in the face, looking him in the eye. But she was so overwhelmed with grief and sorrow and disappointment for 12 years. We come to churches hoping to get relieved, and sometimes we sit in a crowd for 12 years. And we see freedom in the people in the front row. We see freedom in the people in the worship team. We see freedom in the children's workers. And we want so bad to have the freedom, but we don't want to come face to face with Jesus. So we hide in the back and try to do a sneak approach thinking, God, maybe somehow you'll have something left over for little old me back here because I know I don't have it all together like them. I know I'm not gifted and have the abilities that they have. So if I can just do a sneak approach, God, and come behind you, maybe you'll have a little bit left over for me. And this is how she approached him. I can't come in your face. I'm going to hide in the crowd. If I can just sneak up and touch you real quick, I'll get the healing and I'll get out of your way. Why do we feel like we can't be in the presence of God and he actually enjoy the time with us? We come in places sometimes and we feel like, God, I just want a little bit. I just want a job so I can pay my bills and that's it. I'll just take that and then I'll get out of your way. God is abundant. God is all-powerful. God is omnipresent. God is our provider. He takes great pleasure in taking care of you. And we see this girl sneak up behind him. And it says this, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. She thought to herself. What do you think to yourself? How many things have you self-sabotaged because of your thoughts? This woman walks up and her thoughts were, if I can touch him, he'll heal me. But there's most of us who think, if I do this, I'll fail. I can't try that because I won't make it. I don't know if I'm good enough to apply for that job. And so we talk ourselves out of blessing. We talk ourselves out of favor. We talk ourselves out of healthy relationships because we don't deserve it. That's not good. And I'm not good enough for that. And we see this woman thinking to herself, what if she thought to herself, I'm going to come up and do this and then I'm going to get arrested? What if she thought, I'm going to come up, touch this, and he might heal me, he might not. But her faith said, no, I am going to touch him. I thought to myself, if I can just do this little act, God will respond on my behalf, and he does. Most of us live our lives limited by our design, not by our design, but by our mind. God designed you exactly as he would have you. And you can say, well, I'm limited because I don't read that well, or I can't sing like that, or I can't talk like that, or I'm not smart enough to be a supervisor. And we talk about all these things to do with our designs and our abilities. God is in control of the design. You are in control of your mind. Because there are people who are far less qualified physically than you, doing far more than you with their lives simply because they thought. And we as women have to take every thought captive, grab a hold of them. The ones that are junk, throw them out. The ones that are good, hang on for dear life. The Bible says to not be conformed to the ways of the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. And there are a lot of women, including myself, who find it very difficult to renew my mind because it's easier to just say, I can't because. I don't have that. I didn't have that upbringing. I'm in the small armpit of Washington. Why would God ever want to use me? And I can make all these excuses or I can think to myself and say, no, God, you have called me. You knew the parents I'd be born to. You knew the city that I'd be raised in. You knew all of my weaknesses before I even showed up on the scene. You were already having thoughts, good thoughts and good plans and good purposes. You already had it all mapped out for me. You're just waiting for me to catch up. And so we're not limited by our design. We're limited by our mind. Your design is his responsibility. Your mind is yours. 
But it's so much easier to make excuses. It's so much easier to blame someone else. It's so easy just to blame your mama. It's all my mama's fault. Or my dad walked out when I was two. Guess what? If I took a poll and said, how many of you raised with a father? I would guess 80% of the room would be like, I'm being honest with you. Well, I battled an addiction. and I'd... So did a lot of the people in this room and in this world. But they have chosen to say, I am not a victim. I am a victor. And I know God has a great plan and purpose for me. Most of you, after 12 years of dealing with an issue, you would have retreated and not even showed up when Jesus walked in. It's why there's empty seats in here. Because there's some that says, man, I don't need to go to that. I don't need that. I've tried that Jesus thing. I talked to a sweet lady earlier today, and I hope she's in here tonight. She says, I wasn't going to come. And I said, why? She said, I don't do women's events. I said, me neither. It's weird. I don't have the microphone on. (laughs) And she said, I don't like it. I don't know what's going to happen. The women thing makes me uncomfortable. But I felt like I needed to be here. And I called my boss and I said, I'm not coming in today. I need a sub because I'm going to church. What was she saying? I thought. If I get in the room and I believe God can move, he's going to speak to me. And even though I'm a single mama and I'm tired and I'm busting my butt, I'm going to put myself in position. I'm going to renew my mind and not be a victim and not throw a fit about how I don't have a husband. And I'm trying to do this on my own and I'm trying to work it all out. No, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do everything I can to be in right position with a right mind for God to move. And I believe that's what many of you did. You didn't come just to hear this sassy blonde girl from Yakima come talk to you. You came expecting. How do I know? Because during worship, I felt it. It was like electric. Girls, you were like ready to hit the ceiling. Like Michael Jordan didn't have nothing on your jumping moves. It was like you were ready like, whoop, you were going in. I could feel the anticipation. I could feel the expectation. It says immediately when she touches him, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she'd been, been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Now, I don't like to be embarrassed or humiliated. It's like the worst thing you could do to me. So I picture her like me, bossy pants. I get healed, and then I realize I'm healed, and Jesus turns around, and he's like, who did that? I'm going to do what she did, like, (laughs) better talk to your disciples, Jesus, because I didn't do nothing. Could you imagine? He doesn't know, is he going to turn around and say, you just defiled me? Because uncleanliness back in those days was not allowed in public places. She shouldn't have been in the crowd. She shouldn't have laid her hands on someone clean because now he becomes unclean. So she has no idea when he says, who touched me? Is he turning around to humiliate her and embarrass her? And that's how some of you feel. Sometimes when you're worshiping, it's like God begins to speak and God begins to heal and tears begin to stream from your eyes. But then there's this moment like, oh my gosh, I hope no one's noticing and thinking that something's really wrong with me. Really, I'm just having a powerful moment with God, but I don't want to make eye contact with anybody. And here's what happens to this girl as he's turning around. And his disciples looked at him. Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking to see who done it because in seas of people, he sees you. In this room of over 100 people, he sees you. He sees you. He saw the note. 
He hears your thoughts. He sees the look of disgust when you see yourself in the mirror. He sees your brokenness. He sees your private addiction to cigarette that your family doesn't know about. He sees your lust problem and your wanting to look at porn as a female, and it's so much easier for a male to discuss that and talk about it than it is for a female to come forward and say it. He sees your anger. He sees your disappointment. He sees you saying, it must be nice that the fields of sons are all in the house of God. I'd give anything for mine to be off an addiction, let alone saved. In a sea of people, he sees you. And you can be overlooked by man, but you will not be overlooked by God. You can get in environments like this and feel like you're just a needle in a haystack. Why am I even here? Who even cares? He saw you getting ready. He was with you in the car. He sees you here. And many of you believe that he can do it, but he doesn't want to. And I think that's some of what the woman with the issue did is when she approached God, she knew he could because she'd heard about all that he'd been doing. And so she believed that he can but maybe didn't believe that he actually wanted to. So if I can sneak up and I can touch him and he doesn't notice me and he doesn't look at me, if it fails, I'm not as hurt. But if he turns and looks at me and then makes a decision, I don't want to, that's a different type of pain, the one I'm used to. So I don't really know how much I want to lock eyes with Jesus with expectation because I don't want to be failed again. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees, fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over if the band could come. What I love about this is Jesus could call her anything. Jesus could actually have called her by name right there in that moment. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He knows all the hairs on her head. Jesus literally right there could have accessed heaven and said, April, your faith has healed you. But he doesn't call her by name. He calls her daughter. When I read that, I thought to myself that there's many of us who see God as healer but not as father. We have this idea of God as this earthly father that we've been shown, abused by, neglected by, abandoned by. So to picture God as a father is sometimes a lot harder to swallow than just to picture God as a healer. If we back up in the very beginning of this chapter, it says this, Then a leader of the local synagogue, a pastor, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. There's a 12-year-old girl whose dad is pleading for healing. And there's a woman who's been battling for 12 years. And if I'm honest in here, it's hard to hear when you've had to be the survivor your whole life. You didn't have dad. 
sitting at the feet of Jesus, interceding on your behalf. We look at this little girl and we go, oh, you're so blessed that your dad would interrupt a crowd of people because he loves you so much that he's willing to do anything it takes to get Jesus to get to you. And then there's others of us that are survivors, like the woman with the issue who's battling. She's 12 years in. The girl's been cared for for 12 years. She's been neglected for 12 years. And she's got to show up on her own, battling through a crowd, surviving, hoping that somehow she'll be taken notice of. Can I be honest? I think there are many of you in this room who don't know how to let God be father because you've had to survive. You didn't have a daddy to call. When he broke your heart, it was, told you so. When you felt alone and suicidal, sorry. And we read this father interceding for his daughter. But then we read of a 12-year issue of someone battling alone. I wanted to leave space tonight because until you let dad, the father, be father, you can't fulfill all that he has for you. Daddy issues don't go away when you're five. They don't leave when you're 12. They don't leave when you're 15. They don't leave when you're 50. I'm 37 years old. My parents got divorced when I was six. I saw my dad every other weekend. But my dad has not always been affirming of who I am. And at 37 years old, I just did a ladies' event at our church. And I was done preaching, and we laughed a lot. And it was great, and it was silly, it was cool. But I went back to the green room, and on my phone, I picked it up. And it was my dad. He said, I watched online. I'm so, 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 so proud of you. Yes, 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 heart, heart, heart. And if you know my dad, he doesn't use exclamation points or hearts. At 37, I needed my dad. Like this woman, you need your father. And I get for some of you, it won't be your earthly father, and that's okay. But will you allow him to be? He stops and he turns and he addresses almost like she overheard a dad pleading for his daughter. And when Jesus addresses her, he calls her daughter. He stops on the way. He was going to go with his daddy for his little girl. But in the meantime, he stops and he says, wait a minute. I know you didn't have anybody protecting you, and I know you didn't have anybody leading you, and I know everyone who was supposed to care for you and heal you and help you hurt you. Sweetheart, I know. And so he turns to address her, and he doesn't say April. He doesn't say Mary. He doesn't say Susie. He doesn't say Tiffany. He says daughter because he wants her to know, I love you, and I'm sorry for all you've been through. 
I'm sorry that you spent everything you had. I'm sorry that all the emotions that you gave to him and he left you. I am sorry, but I'm still dad. I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. Even in those years when you sat in your bedroom at five years old, wondering, is this God even real? Does he even care? Does he even see what's happening to me? The answer is yes. He loves you as daughter. Not just Christian, not just leader, not just volunteer. He loves you as daughter. And I want an opportunity to pray for you. From one daughter to another. Because if there's one thing I battled for a long time, it's the approval of my father. I have fought so hard to be excellent in sports and excellent with my grades, and I've done everything I could for him to just say I'm proud. And I thought when I was 21, it would go away, and I thought when I became a mama, it would leave, and I thought when I married an amazing man, and I did, it would somehow go away, and it didn't. And I had to resolve the issue that I have to have a close relationship with my father. I have to. And so I want to pray for you, every eye open and every head up. If you need prayer to really allow God to be father, for him to look you in the eye and say, daughter, I'm proud. You did it, and you're doing it. You're a good mama. You're a great wife. Congratulations on getting that college degree. I've been watching and I'm cheering you on. I'm in your corner. I go before you. I shield your way. He wants to be that to you. And this isn't just for people who don't know Jesus. This is for people who do. Because you may know him as Lord and Savior, but you may not know God as Father. And I want to pray for you. So if you need prayer to say, man, I need to allow God to be dad I want you to come up to the front so I can pray for you. We'll get back into worship in a few moments. You'll be able to worship. Please come up as close as you can. I want to be able to lay hands, hold your hand. You are so loved by God. Some of you know what it's like to be a survivor. You had a fight. Still fighting. You didn't have him at your sporting things, or you didn't have them in your corner saying, I'm so proud of you for being in ministry. I'm so proud of you for staying married to the same man. I'm so proud of you for moving your life and doing everything to support someone else's vision. You didn't have someone just cheering you in your corner saying, sweetheart, I am so proud. I saw everything you did, how hard you worked to be a great student, how hard you worked to be amazing. And it's hard. What do you do when you try to earn someone's love and feel like you can't get it? And that's the great thing about God. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. He freely gives it. You can get the greatest careers. 
you can get the highest degrees and you can still have this void, this daddy void. And I want to pray for that, that you would allow God to be dad, that you wouldn't think he's just father to everyone else that's seated, but he's father to you. Will you just close your eyes and hold your hands like this, like you're going to receive something? Jesus, I pray right now for every single girl up here that she would let you love them. Those times when she felt like you didn't care or didn't notice, when she saw relationships with her friends and their fathers and so envied it. For some, they wanted their dad to walk them down the aisle and they didn't. For some, they wanted their dad to hug them and not hurt them. Some walk in guilt, some walk in shame. If he knew what I did, how would he love me? If he saw how I treated my children, how would he promote me? If he saw the things that I thought, the words that I've said, I don't know that he'd want to be father. The private areas that no one sees, when everyone thinks you have it together, but everything's shattered on the inside. And those moments you just want dad to run to. God, I pray you rush in like a flood, that you heal those areas, that you restore those years, that they would never look at themselves the, way, the same way they did yesterday or even this morning. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not supposed to be like your sister. You never were. You're not supposed to be like your brother. You never were. You were specially designed. Not by default, but on purpose. When you've questioned your identity, did somehow God make a mistake? because I don't know where I fit in the puzzle. I question the plans you have, God, and it doesn't make sense all the time. And I hear to have faith, and I hear just to believe, God, but I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know who to trust, God, because everybody that comes in my path uses me. Everyone that comes in my path takes advantage of me. So, God, I don't know how to trust. I don't even know what it looks like. I believe you can heal me, but I don't know if you want to. I try working my butt off. I work really hard. I don't want my kids to repeat history. I want them to make it. And I feel like I come up short every single time. He knows. He sees. You always are picking everyone else up, trying to be the strong one. And he wants to be your strength. He wants to be your peace. He wants to be your comfort. But you got to let him. Let him love you like dad. Let him love you as daughter. 
Let him hold you. What do you want so bad just to be held? such a sweet spirit so kind you try to make your request known for everybody else try not to be any trouble you just want to hear him say I'm proud and he is not because of anything you've done for him, but simply who you are. He's so proud. You're out of the box. Sometimes people don't know what to do with you because you don't fit their mold. You don't comply and you weren't supposed to. He set a course for you, and even family questions it and don't understand it. You couldn't match up. You couldn't be like everyone else. And it feels like you're a disappointment sometimes. But you're not a disappointment to him. He knew your design. He made it. God, I pray for good friends because lonely's hard. Real friends who will lift our arms, not abandon. Real women. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I pray for freedom from past regret, things she wished she could take back. God, I pray for bitterness, anger, disappointment. She let it go. God, let her be loved. Let her be held. Let her be weak. God, I pray she would see that weakness is not bad, that it's in our weakness she becomes strong, that she'd see it's okay to be weak, it's okay to be broken. She wouldn't be timid to be broken. That she doesn't have to be strong. She doesn't have to be strength. Because you are. She doesn't have to be uptight. She doesn't have to be serious. God, I pray that you would restore the joy of her salvation, that she would begin to laugh, that she would begin to fill her home with laughter and joy. Jesus, I pray when she go home, there be a difference in the atmosphere of her home. God, that it be full of your presence, full of your peace, full of your comfort, full of your joy, God. Lord, I pray when she lay her head down on her pillow tonight, she sent your presence. That you hear your voice. That you show up. Healing. 
how do I start over when I've done all that I've done? How do I get ahead when I feel so far behind? Jesus, I pray for supernatural wisdom. Guide her, Jesus. Promote her, God. Make her wise beyond her years. God, I pray she wouldn't keep turning left and right in unhealthy relationships, wrong crowds, but you would set her on the straight and narrow. God, that you would allow her to lean into a right voice that has her back, that has her best interest. Mm, Jesus. God, heal her heart. Heal the brokenness of disappointment. Feeling like somehow you skipped over her. And be dad today. Jesus healing. Holy Spirit, I pray from the top of her head to the soles of her feet that she would feel your love, your embrace. Years of hard work. Jesus. God, I pray that she would renew her mind, that she'd be healed and whole, that you would be her rock, that you would be her ever-present help in time of trouble, that you would be dad. Jesus' name. God, whatever the enemies tried to do to steal, kill, and destroy, God, I pray you turn around in a moment. The he that began a good work in you will finish it. He'll see it to completion. The enemies try to take you out many times. Over and over, you can recount times when it felt like you were just a step away from losing it all or losing yourself. God, heal her mind. Heal her heart. Give her back the years that were stolen. The years ahead are better than the ones behind. You don't have to look in a rear view any longer. Your best days are still ahead. He is still for you. He is not against you. He still has a good plan and a good purpose for you. You have not blown it and no one else can blow it for you. He still has called you. He still has anointed you. He's not an angry God. He loves you. Jesus, I pray she'd receive it. Any calluses on her heart would be removed. Any chains that bind would fall off. In Jesus' name. God, I pray freedom. God, I pray strength. This mama's working hard.
God, even carries guilt. How am I supposed to raise boys when there's not even a dad in the house? How am I supposed to do this alone? How am I supposed to carry the weight? He's going to come in, Vanessa, and he's going to fill those gaps. He's going to be what you cannot be. You be mama, and you be strong, and you be confident. You take a break when you need to take a break. Stop blaming yourself that somehow they have less because you messed it all up. It's okay. His love didn't run out. His promotion didn't run out. His favor didn't run out. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. You're a strong woman of God. You are. And you need healthy relationships. You need women that can help you carry this burden. You need them. Stop running from it, feeling like you don't fit. I don't fit. I don't look like them. I don't think like them. I'm weird compared to them. And you're not. Let them love you, not just dad, but let women in. I know you've been burned in the past, and I know there's people you thought you could trust, and they bailed. Let them in. Jesus, freedom, healing, wholeness. God, I thank you that you've called her to be a leader amongst leaders. God, that you've given her a voice that many have not even heard. God, I believe that there's a communication calling on her life that may not even make sense to everybody else. But there's a generation of girls waiting to hear your story, waiting to hear what you have to say, waiting to hear how you overcame, ready to hear how you're overcoming. I don't know you, I don't know what church you go to, but God has given you a voice. That may not mean you have to be on a platform, but you have influence, you're an influencer. There are girls waiting to hear you talk. There are girls waiting to hear you share. God, give her a mouth, give her a voice. God, continue to use her to reach a generation who is so desperate for you. God, I thank you for this woman of God who's got a heart for the house. Try not to repeat history, but make it. Wanting to do things different than how it's been done all around. God, I pray for promotion. Whatever that looks like. God, give her promotion. Open doors that no man can shut. God, I pray you heal the father wound and she would let you love her as daughter, not as servant, not as servant, not as servant. You are his daughter. God, 
You can't outserve. You can't work your way. You can't earn. You can't do all these things thinking somehow this is how he'll be pleased. This is how he'll accept me. This is how if I do all these things and somehow I'll be right. And that is not who God is. He loves you as you are right now. He loved you in your mess. He loves you in your wholeness. He is so for you. Let him love you as dad. You can't earn it. Stop trying. Jesus, I thank you for this woman of God who's given her life to serve the dream of someone else. God, I pray you give her the desires of her heart, things she hasn't spoken of in years, things she's tucked away. God, I believe that you've given her dreams and visions. God, so full of joy and such an influencer with people. God, I pray you open doors she didn't even know was a possibility. That she be a light in dark places. God, she's been so faithful. She's been so faithful. God, I pray that she would find exactly what she's given. More faith-filled women who would encourage her. More faith-filled relationships that would empower her. God, I pray she wouldn't feel forgotten that somehow you skipped her. So she just keeps going and going and going and going and serving and serving and serving. God, may she never feel skipped. But you're right where you need to be. Right in his will. God, bless her home. Bless her marriage. Bless everything that her and Keith touch. God, multiply them, Jesus. Multiply the gifts. Multiply the anointing. Multiply the favor. God, continue to use them. They're such a blessing to this house. Continue to use them, Jesus. And God, I pray that she would let you be dad. Wondering if there's anything left for me. That she may be the one that would creep up behind God confident that he can heal but not confident that he'd want to that you trust that he can be your Lord and Savior and you trust that he can get you into heaven but you're not quite sure all the time if he wants to really just love you the messy you sometimes the messy thinking sometimes the messy past God I pray she'd let you love the daughter daughter first that you're cheering her on you're so proud God I pray as she's got her arms lifted Holy Spirit that you would fill her with peace that you'd fill her with joy that you'd fill her with grace and mercy and overwhelm her with your love in Jesus name ladies if you could all stand to your feet we're going to sing this song. And I know I didn't get to lay hands on every single person, and there's far more wounds and issues than daddy issues, that there are issues 
of insecurity. There are issues of God noticing. There are issues with our children struggling. These altars are open. You are more than welcome to come forward and worship. But I want to give you an opportunity to talk to God because the truth is I can walk through a crowd, but I'm powerless. But Jesus, when he walks through a crowd, everything changes. And so we're going to talk to the one and reach out to the one who knows it all, can do it all, heal it all, fix it all. And so we're going to begin to worship. And I want to encourage you to do that.